Good morning and welcome. We're grateful for your presence. We're thankful that you have chosen to be here today. It's a beautiful day. And we are very grateful for the opportunity to be together to worship God in spirit and in truth. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back and be with us. We're glad that you have come to us today. We want to encourage you to come back. It may be that you're looking for a church home. And I would encourage you to strongly consider the work here. I think Isla Branch is a great place to be. And we have a lot to offer. We've got a lot of young folks. We've got a lot of good teachers. And so we would love to have you come and be a part of this work. We're going to be looking in just a minute at Luke, the 12th chapter. And I would invite you to look with me at Luke chapter 12, the passage that was read a moment ago. As we look at the gospel according to Luke, specifically verse 12, we're going to be noting verses 16 through 21. In verse 15, the passage that was read a moment ago, Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. It was based on this statement that the Lord employed a parable. He used parables to teach divine truths in the first century. And he talks about a rich farmer that ultimately steps out into eternity and leaves behind what we might say to be unfinished business. And so in our study today, we want to think for a minute or two about the theme, unfinished business. And we want to note what the Lord says concerning this rich farmer, how he conducted the affairs of his life, and the fact that his life came to a crashing halt. Let me begin by calling attention to the fact that he was consumed with self-interest. When you look at verses 16 and following, as Jesus narrates this parable, the first thing that it does is zeroes in on his focus in life. Note what is said in verse 16, the grant of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. As we think about the focal point of this man's life or the focus of his life, let me just sum it up by saying this. Life was all about him. You ever known people like that? Everything revolved, everything revolved or revolves around them. There are many people that we have known in days gone by, they are no longer with us. And sadly, life revolved around them. Today we have people, acquaintances, friends, family members that we know everything seems to center upon them, what they want, what they desire, what they need. Six times Jesus uses the personal pronoun I in these verses. Everything was about him. And then let me call attention to his financial livelihood. Jesus, in his narration of this parable, sums up the financial livelihood of this man by pointing out that business was booming. Things were great. 
As a matter of fact, things were going so well that he was bound and determined to build. Listen again to what he said. The ground of a rich man yielded or brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. So life was good. I mean, this guy was making lots of money. He was doing well. Everything was, as we would say in life, fine for him. And then note in the third place, his fun and leisure. As a matter of fact, if you want to really sum it up, he was fixated on leisure. After having built his new barns and after having stored away all of his goods, note if you would his mindset. He said, I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That seems to be the summation of what life was about for him. It was all about him. Business was going great. And so what he was going to do, expand his business and then settle back and enjoy the fruits of his labors. But there's a second thing I want you to see in our study, and that is the consequences of his self-indulgence. And there are really two things that you need to see as Jesus lays before us this parable. First of all, he forgot about the brevity of life. How many people do you think on planet Earth today have forgotten about the brevity of life? Sometimes we get so busy with the hustle and bustle of what we're doing, we're so consumed with our own self-interest. Everything is running at a rapid pace, and so we just forget that life can come to a crashing halt at any time. Here's what Jesus said, verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. Think about that for a minute. Here's a guy that forgot about the brevity of life. The Bible talks frequently about the brevity of life. Job said in chapter 14, man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. The psalmist in Psalm 90 at verse 10 talks about the brevity of life in contrast to the eternal nature of Almighty God. Speaking of God, he said, you are from everlasting to everlasting. But regarding man, he said, the days of our years are threescore and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, in other words, we may live to be 70, it might be that we reach the age of 80. He said, it's soon cut off and we fly away. Our years are accompanied by strength, sorrow, and labor. And so in verse, 20, in verse 12 of Psalm 90, the psalmist would say, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. James in chapter four, verse 14, compared life to a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. There are a lot of folks in eternity as we speak. They never thought about death. They never imagined that 
their life would be cut down. And yet that's exactly what happened. And as mentioned a moment ago, there are a lot of folks today, they forget about the brevity of life. This man forgot about the brevity of life. But then there's a second thing. He forgot about where to bank in life. Listen again to what Jesus said in verse 20. God said to him, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Where was he banking? What was the focal point of his life? Sometimes we say, what, what's your life all about? What's your purpose for living? What makes you go in life? This guy was doing very well financially. His business was great. Everything was going as no doubt he intended it to go. And yet he forgot about something, didn't he? He forgot about the brevity of life and he forgot about where to bank in life. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why is that? Because earthly treasures perish with using. Here's the bottom line. When you look at this guy, number one, he left all. Jesus said, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? In other words, here's what Job said in the long ago. Naked came I forth into this world, naked shall I depart. Paul said, we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. There are a lot of people when it comes to the focus of life and where they're banking, it's all about the here and now. They're not worried about tomorrow. They're not worried about next year. They're certainly not worried about eternity. That's where this guy was in life. He wasn't worried. How many times do we think time is on our side? It may be, but it might not be. We just don't know. I mean, the Bible says boast not about tomorrow. Why is that? Because who knows what a day may bring forth? We just don't know. So this guy was banking at the wrong place. His bank was here on earth rather than in heaven. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. If you want to make sure that, that one day you're with Almighty God and you enjoy the blessings of eternity, then you need to be banking in heaven. You need to be storing up in heaven. You may have a lot of money in, in your bank account here on earth. You may have a lot of material goods in this life. Your business may be going well, but please listen very carefully. If you're not banking in heaven, you're in trouble. You're in real trouble because that's where this guy was. Jesus is saying, look, you've got all these barns and they're filled to the brim. You've got everything going for you. But guess what? When you step out into eternity tonight, what are you taking with you? You're going to take your, you're going to take your money? You're going to take your land? What about your material goods, your farm equipment? All that going with you? Absolutely not. This guy left all. But there's a second thing you need to see. Not only did he leave all, he lost all. Did you know that Jesus called this man a fool? 
Listen again to what the Son of God said. You fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What was the dilemma? The dilemma here. From the vantage point of earthly riches, he had it all. From the standpoint of heavenly riches, he had nothing. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26? For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If you have everything this world has to offer, but you lose your soul, guess what? You lose. You lose everything. This guy lost everything. I think back to the era of the Great Depression. People literally lost everything. Not long ago, I was reading an article about, I assume, an economist, or was by an economist, and he was talking about the financial state of our country and the fact that we are about $16 trillion in debt. And he said that in all probability, before the current presidency or presidential term expires, we are going to face another economic downturn. A lot of people in our country, he said, are going to lose everything they have. There have been people that have lost everything. They've lost their homes. They have lost their automobiles. They've lost their bank accounts. They've lost their stocks, their bonds. They've lost everything. But that does not, that does not begin to describe what it means to lose your eternal soul. And that's what Jesus is saying. This guy had it all here on earth. He had everything, but he lost his soul. If you read the gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus does not employ the term fool often but he does in this context. The reason he uses it in this context is because this guy forgot about what is most important in life. Please do not go through life thinking about what you want, what you need, what your life is all about, about your bank account, your homes, your material goods, thinking about everything here and forget about everything in eternity. If you do that, you lose. This guy lost it all. He was rich in the things of this earth, but he was poor in things relating to heaven. Now, there's a third thing I want you to see in our study, and that is the challenge of self-inspection. Let me just talk to you for a minute about a basic, undeniable fact. And here it is. Life will one day come to a crashing halt, whether you like it or not. One day, death will intervene. I don't care how much you work out. I don't care what, what kind of diet you have. I don't care if you found the fountain of youth. One day, life will come to an end. The Hebrew writer said, it is appointed that a man wants to die, after this cometh the judgment. Death will come, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the sting of death. It may come when you're young, it might come when you're old, we don't know. 
We just know this, death will come. Go back and read Genesis chapter 5 sometime. Note, if you would, the phrase that is used repeatedly in that context. And here's the phrase, and he died. Over and over and over again, Moses talks about those great patriarchs of the past, and he sums it all up by saying, and he died. When you are born into this world, you are born to die. Whether you realize it or not, you're terminal. We talk about people in our world today that have terminal cancer. They have some type of terminal disease, and by that we simply mean they're not going to make it out of this world alive. Well, for all intents and purposes, we are all terminal. It just may be that we live a, a little bit longer than others. Now, if the Lord Jesus Christ comes while we're living, then we're not going to face the sting of death, and we don't know when he's coming. But what about the challenge of self inspection. The basic fact is death is coming. Now I want to ask this question. If you were to die today, would you leave behind any unfinished business? Let's look at this guy. Did he leave behind any unfinished business? How would you answer that? The answer would be yes. Did he not just say, did Jesus not just say, that he was going to pull down his barns and build greater and there store all of his goods and his crops, that his mentality was he was going to eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, he was thinking out into the future. There are people today, they have all kinds of plans for the future. They've got business deals in the works. They're thinking about buying this piece of land or this home. They're thinking about starting this business or that business or doing this or doing that. The problem is they just don't know. Death's coming. And so if they were to die, what would happen? Unfinished business. You remember Bud Hunt, don't you? We all remember Bud. Bud died back in March, had an automobile accident. He had been to the funeral home Prior to that accident, you know what he was doing? He was making plans for his death. Now, he didn't know that he was going to have an automobile accident, but he was, making, he, was laying, he was laying the groundwork so that at his decease, his funeral arrangements would be taken, taken care of. The only problem, he never got to sign the paperwork. Unfinished business. There are lots of people that have unfinished business right now. I want to ask this question. If you were to die today, would you leave behind unfinished business? What about in the realm of obeying the gospel? Let's just say that you've been thinking about obeying the gospel, but you never have. Let's just surmise that you step out into eternity today, never having obeyed the gospel. What's your state? You're lost. That's what the Bible says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, today is the day of salvation. Why wait? Why leave unfinished business on the table? You know you need to obey the gospel. You believe Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, don't you? You say, yes, I do. You understand the importance of putting to death the life of sin 
of giving up sin as Jesus taught in Luke 13. You're more than happy to confess the name, of, uh, the name of Christ before others. You believe Jesus to be the Son of God. You're not ashamed to make that statement. Why not be baptized? Why do you need to be baptized? So that you can be saved, Mark 16, 16. So that your sins might be washed away, Acts 22, 16. So that you might enjoy the forgiveness or remission of your sins. If you die today and you haven't obeyed the gospel, you're leaving behind unfinished business. Maybe you're here today, you're not faithful to the cause of Christ. You know you need to be faithful. You know what, you know what the Lord Jesus said, be faithful until death. The promise being you would receive the crown of life. You haven't done that. You haven't been faithful. You've been back out in the world. You've been living like people in the world. You've been intending to get things right. You just haven't done it. I want to ask you this question. If you were to step out into eternity today, not having been restored back to fellowship with God, what would your state be? Peter said the latter end is worse than the beginning. It would be better for you not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto you. Did you know that there are people in eternity today? They meant to obey the gospel, they just didn't do it. They meant to be restored back to Almighty God, they just didn't do it. Now here's the question. A hundred years from now, where will you be? Will you have left behind unfinished business? What about in the realm of reconciling with a friend or family member, coworker, classmate, or whatever? Maybe you've been bearing a grudge for a long time. Maybe you have animosity, ill will in your heart toward other people. Did you know that there are folks that intended to reconcile with another person? They intended to do that, but death intervened. Not able to do it. Not able to make things right. Paul said, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Some people wait too late. They wait too long. You wait too late. You wait too long. Those opportunities will pass you by. Let me give you another, another example. If you were to die today, would you leave behind the unfinished business of pointing your children in the direction of heaven? I want to ask you, what is your most valuable asset? What is it you prize most in this life? Your automobile, your house, your furniture, your land, your stocks, your bonds, whatever. For those of us who are parents or grandparents, it's our children, our grandchildren. That is our most precious commodity. The psalmist in the, in the long ago said, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. The fruit of the womb, it's his reward. You have children, you are blessed beyond measure. Now I want to ask you this question. Let's just say that, let's just say you die today. Are your children, are they going to one day reunite with you in heaven? Have you been pointing them in the direction of heaven? When I was a sophomore in high school, I remember one of my best friends when I was growing up. One Friday morning, or maybe it was around lunchtime, we were at school. And I remember 
we got word that my, my buddy's daddy had a massive heart attack before work and died. I asked my buddy some years after that, as we got older, how was your daddy that morning? He said, I couldn't tell any. He, he said he wasn't any different than, than he always was. He was 48 years old. He had one child that was in the sixth grade. My buddy was a 10th grader with me. He had a son that had graduated. Another son, I think, was maybe a junior, maybe another senior. But nonetheless, he died. And he left behind young children. However those children turned out in life, he had the opportunity up until his death to point them in the direction of God. If death were to come to you today, could you say you did your best? Could you say that as a parent you did your best to have them in Bible study every first day of the week, every Wednesday night? Could you say you did your best in teaching them in the home? Could you say you did your best setting before them the right kind of example? Please listen to me very carefully. There are a lot of folks, they're in eternity right now. And the conclusion is this. They left behind unfinished business. They're kids. They don't know anything about God. They, they, don't, they don't know anything about the New Testament church. They don't know anything about living for the Lord. They have no idea what's really important in life. Do not be numbered among those statistics. In closing, there is what we call finished business, and there is unfinished business. If you're here today and you have unfinished business, like the rich farmer, I want to encourage you to take care of what you know needs to be taken care of today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year. You need to do it today. Why? Because you just don't know what's around the corner. You don't know. So could I encourage you to think seriously about becoming a child of God? The benefits of becoming a child of God, you enjoy forgiveness of every sin. I had a guy call me Friday and was asking me about being forgiven. He asked me, will God really forgive me of some of the things that I've done? I said, let me tell you what. There is nothing you have ever done that God does not have the ability and willingness to forgive. You just have to turn to him. Come to him on his terms. Here's what you need to do. Believe Jesus to be the son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess his name and be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism. You do that, God will add you to the church. Acts 2 verse 47. You'll enjoy all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1, 3. You will have the hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. It can be yours. It can be yours today. If you're unfaithful, why not come home? The Bible says, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We talk about, we talk about life and, and the fact that we have to make decisions for ourselves. And that's true. And we understand that 
the things that we do, the things that we say, they, they will ultimately have, have a bearing on where we spend eternity. But I want to close by saying this, the things that you do or don't do will not only have a bearing on where you spend eternity, but they will have a bearing on where others spend eternity, quite possibly. Where your children spend eternity, where your grandchildren spend eternity, where, where your brother, your sister, whomever. Whatever your need today is, if you've got any unfinished business, I want to encourage you today, make it right. Don't wait too late as we stand and sing.